Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Dave Stovall. I'm the creative director for discipleship.org, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today in this episode. We're going to be listening to our point leader, Bobby Harrington, interviewing Scotty Kessler about making disciples. This clip is actually taken from one of our Q&A sessions that aired on our discipleship.org collective. You're going to hear more about that later on in this episode. But just in short, it's a place where you can go and watch live events where we interview people about discipleship and about what they're doing at their church. So this episode has some really good stuff here. It has a lot of practical tips on getting started, and it totally takes away the intimidating part of disciple making. It can sometimes seem overwhelming and too big of a thing for me to do. But in reality, each and every person who's a Christian can do this starting today. So let's dive in and listen to Bobby and Scotty. Here we go. Hi, everybody. I'm Bobby Harrington, and I'm so glad to have you with us. Um, I'm going to introduce Scotty Kessler in just a second. But before I do that, uh, let me just tell you about discipleship.org and especially the Discipleship.org Collective, if this is your first time to be with us. I hope you'll take a few minutes and and, uh, look around uh, at this collective in the months uh, that uh, are yet to come. We hope to expand this, and that in many ways it'll be your go-to place for all things disciple-making. I have the privilege at Discipleship.org of serving as the point leader, And discipleship.org, we champion Jesus-style disciple-making, and we get to do this with other organizations. We don't think that any one organization is going to fan the flames of disciple-making the way Jesus wants us to, but if we all work together and we fan the flames of other organizations, then we really hope that that will lead to disciple-making movements in homes in communities and churches and uh, even in states and our nation Amen. Uh, over time. So, so glad to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotty Kessler of Faith International University is with us. And Scotty, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and uh, what you do with Faith International. You bet. I uh, started working with Faith International University a couple, well, three years ago now. And for two years, uh, have directed a couple programs there, a, uh, the Robert Coleman School of Discipleship and the West Neal School of Sport Ministry. Um, I worked in-house in Tacoma, Washington, where Faith International University Seminary is located for a couple of years. I left uh, the full-time role with them about uh, 15 months ago and moved to Omaha, Nebraska. I still work with them as an adjunct prof and still direct the two schools, uh, but I'm not uh, on the payroll. I'm doing more consulting of ministry stuff, a prayer discipleship, uh, sports ministry, the integration, integration of sport and faith and mission things, uh, but it's tied to Faith International still and love the mission and love the School of Discipleship. Oh, that's awesome, Scotty. Hey, um, tell us about Robert Coleman. Uh, some people... Uh, know him, like yeah. you and I know him. We know him personally. We know his work. But uh, for you to establish the Robert Coleman School, talk right. to us about who he is, what he did, and why you would name the school after him. 
Yeah, great question. Uh, he is uh, a legend for all the right reasons in the faith in our generation. He's 93 now. Uh, basically, he started uh, working as a seminary prof at Asbury Seminary when he was 28 years old and had uh, and was asked to start a school of evangelism there. He was having some difficulty finding the writings on evangelism. And with his first seminary class, he decided that they would go through the Gospels verse by verse and see if they could uh, track any uh, core principles that could uh, cross all time, um, all race, all geography, etc. What Jesus did with the twelve, and was there any was there any uh, were there any kind of principles that would be applicable that could cross pollinate uh, around the world and in any time from two thousand years ago to today? And they came up with over the course of uh, this class uh, about eight principles that turned into a book from his notes called the Master Plan of Evangelism which is viewed as a benchmark book on actually discipleship and evangelism uh, in our generation, acknowledged by guys like Billy Graham, who was a colleague of his. Uh, Luis Palaus wrote uh, in the foreword uh, that other than the Bible, it was the most instrumental, impactful book that he'd ever run across. And so Dr. Coleman was a seminary prof there in Asbury for a good number of years. And then he went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield outside Chicago, for a number of years, and he finished up uh, as a seminary prof. Uh, he and his wife actually moved into the dorms to disciple seminarians uh, in uh, Boston. Why am I brain locking? Gordon Conwell uh, uh, Seminary uh, in, in his latter years. He's now retired in Wilmore, Kentucky, where Asbury University is, where his daughter is, and his son-in-law still is a, a professor at the seminary there. So he basically is viewed as uh, oh, an icon in discipleship circles. His book has just over under 4 million copies in over 100 languages. He was the head of the uh, Billy Graham School of Evangelism worldwide, traveled with Billy and did all their evangelism and disciple-making uh, conferences in foreign countries. That's what produced the number of languages that, have, uh, uh, that the Master Plan of Evangelism has been translated into. And he is, uh, my simplest description is uh, whatever filled with the Spirit is, that's what it looks like. Uh, and he is, uh, as you know, Bobby, incredibly humble, unassuming, under the radar, but enough of a, uh, enough of a impactor in discipleship and evangelism circles that, that Billy Graham would bring him as his uh, sidekick on all things and, and actually head up the uh, Billy Graham School of Evangelism in uh, in Wheaton now, or the Billy Graham Center, I should say, he was the first director. So I ran across him simply because I was working as a consultant in college football circles. And one of the schools I was consulting was on the same campus as Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. In 1997, I went on campus to work with the football team with the university associated uh, with TEDS, the seminary, and uh, had read the master plan, wanted to meet Dr. Coleman, Bottom line is I uh, met with him a number of times in his office. He invited me into his morning disciples group that he'd done every year, everywhere that he'd been a seminary prof, still does disciple, by the way. And uh, and he, as he does with a number of men that have traveled in his circles, uh, he invited me in, embraced me, and I was certainly a more than willing student. Uh, we then have kept in touch all these years and when I got hired away uh, from a church where I had been on staff 
to uh, head up the School of Discipleship, uh, it popped into my mind one day randomly. I thought, man, oh, man, we need to name the school after him. He's my primary uh, discipler and mentor in all things discipleship-oriented. And I, I thought, you know, it would, it would honor him, rightly so. It would allow for us to communicate a distinctive, meaning what Jesus did with the 12 and how Master Plan of Evangelism articulates it and how it's articulated through Dr. Coleman's mouth, in my experience, is distinctive within the framework of general discipleship, the way he articulated it and the way that it's been practiced and reproduced is uniqueness. And for that reason, we wanted our school uh, to have an affiliation with the distinctiveness with which he articulated what Jesus did with the 12 in what we call the Great Commission lifestyle, the marriage of evangelism and discipleship. So I approached him. His response, Bobby, was a hilarious and unexpected and unexpected. He said, well, nobody's ever asked me that before. I asked, can we name the school after you to honor you, to advance the kingdom and to align ourselves with a particular distinctive? And he said, I was asked uh, 10, 15 years ago by a school in Africa, and I, it just wasn't time. It wasn't practical. Uh, and he said, and you're the, second, you're the second entity to ask me. And I thought, lucky us. And fascinating that nobody had done it before, uh, but uh, he was more than willing, as, as you would think he would say. He said, if you think this would help advance the kingdom, then I'm more than willing to assist in whatever way we can. So uh, a, a great honor to him, rightly so, and a great partnership uh, because he continues to drive me and us and the movement and the school gets a chance to uh, reap the benefits of that. Oh, that's great, Scotty. So uh, just for everybody watching, first, I want to say, uh, I want to encourage you to write down any questions in the chat box. Uh, our own Gary Tanner is uh, watching the chat box, and we want to make sure we get to your questions. I actually have some questions for Scotty in just a second here, um, but I just want to tag on what he was saying about Robert Coleman. So we consider Robert Coleman's book... Uh, called The Master Plan of Evangelism, which I tried to coax him to, to say that he would rename it if we were writing <laughs> it today, and I couldn't get him to do that. He actually has a book on uh, uh, on the Master Plan of Discipleship through the Book of Acts. But I wanted to share with everybody a couple of key resources about this. Um, first, let me just add on to what Scotty said and tell you a little bit about the man. This is a picture uh, of myself with Robert Coleman and Bill Hall. So the first Robert Coleman Award, which discipleship.org gave out, was to Bill Hall. And there they are looking or talking about uh, the award, and, and we had that picture taken. Uh, I want to also show you, if I can here, just uh, trying to make sure I get my technology just right. <laughs> I wanted to show you my favorite Robert Coleman picture. Mm. And uh, the reason that it's my favorite picture is because it's, it's this wonderful insight into the man. Yeah. And uh, here's what I mean by that. When we gave out the Robert Coleman Award a few years ago, uh, somebody grabbed Robert Coleman's Bible. Mm. And uh, you think they grabbed his Bible. <laughs> Why would they do that? Well, let me show you what happened, because I have a picture of it right there. 
That's Robert Coleman's Bible. And if you will notice, he has a list there of the people he discipled every year. Wow. So on my far left-hand side, it says Trinity, the year 2000, 2001, uh, 2003, 2004, 2005, all the way up. And we can flip it over here. The latest entry was uh, 2010 to 2012, if you can see that. Isn't that cool that he would have that? And he's been doing it since uh, the early 60s. Now, I have one more thing to show everybody, and uh, that's uh, if you want to find out about this gold standard in disciple-making that Scotty just described, Robert talks about the eight principles Mm -hmm. of Jesus' method of disciple-making. So at discipleship.org, we champion Jesus-style disciple-making. Well, this book is the gold gold standard, and uh, we created a free resource. Uh, I interviewed Robert Coleman. We put it on video, and we also have this ebook. It's called Revisiting the Master Plan of Evangelism. Yeah. So uh, the idea was if you could go back to 1963 and change anything in that book, what would you change? Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing he said that he would do, by the way, is that he would uh, make the incarnation more explicit. Yeah. said he just assumed that everybody knew if you're going to follow Jesus' method, you have yeah. to enter into the lives of people with the love of God. Yeah. That he would make that clear now. So yeah. it would become the first principle of nine principles instead yeah, of just eight yeah. principles. Anyway, that's a free download at discipleship.org. I want to yes. encourage everybody to, uh, to jump in and yeah. do that. All right. Well, Scotty, I have a few questions for you as we begin. And again, I want to encourage people in the chat box, write down your questions, and we will try to get to them. Scotty, you like to talk about the difference between addition and multiplication. Yeah. Why do you like to talk about that, and what do you mean by it? Yeah, the reason we think it's a huge deal, because as we listen to those um, often who, you know, there's lots of conversations about discipleship. Thankfully, it is now in our day a huge topic, and and it's used, you know, my comment is there's as many definitions of discipleship as there are people uh, because everybody has their take on it. And, and generally what I've found in our continuing try to be learners ourselves, lifelong learners, is uh, people often are talking about generalized Christian growth, generalized maturity, there isn't that sense that it's going to involve an intentional, strategic a relationship with an actual individual, uh, as described in 2 Timothy 2.2, when Paul is speaking to Timothy, the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will teach others also. We talk about fourth-generation disciple-making, where Paul's talking about Timothy and Paul's grandsons and his great-grandsons, and, and we talk about discipleship not really taking root uh, until it has moved to the fourth generation, not literally, but in a sense, that concept that there's a reproducing quality, a reproductiveness that is critical for there to be a sustainability of disciple making as we believe that uh, Jesus desired when he worked with the 12, he was thinking about 2020 
How am I going to reach 8 billion people with 12 unschooled ordinary men? Well, I'll do it by investing myself in them and teaching them to go and do likewise. And thus we have the fruit of it. Uh, When I listen to disciple makers or the conversations around it, oftentimes they're, number one, there's a category where people are thinking of generalized growth and not intentional strategic relationships. So let's say I'm just going to use a general number. Let's say 90% of the conversation is not about what discipleship.org is attempting to, to drive. And then within the 10% where they are thinking about actual relationships, investing in others who will invest in others who will invest in others, within those, sometimes you don't hear or see the clear distinctive that it's not just about me meeting with Bobby or Bobby meeting with me. It's that while Bobby meets with me, I'm going to be meeting with somebody else and overseeing them as they meet with somebody else so that while you're being discipled, you're also making disciples, which allows for there to be the supervision, which is one of the eight principles and master plan that allows for a, a sustainability and a continuation where there'll be what we call relational rub or traction sufficient that there's going to be a continuation of depth and not just measurables with width. So addition stops at one level and it's about me and my guy, but multiplication is about me and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else in a continuing reproducing cycle that far outlives us. And my sense is much more talk goes on, which seems to end with make sure you meet with people and take them somewhere, all of which is true. But what we found is if you don't walk with them as they take somebody somewhere and make sure they understand that their spiritual sons are to reproduce the same, then it sometimes stops at that first generation of discipleship and thus multiplication never occurs. So there's lots of talk about multiplication, but the plan often seems to be addition and that is not going to translate into that transformational reproduction that God intended. Oh, that's good, Scotty. Um, talk to me a little bit about, um, well, you you like to describe the how versus the what. So yeah. talk to us about that. Yeah, what, what we, when we articulate things, we say the what, you know, discipleship, that's, that's generally agreed upon in all that continuum. And the why, you know, love for God and out of obedience. There's there's agreement on the what and the why. People seem to get stuck mostly in the how. What is it? What do I do? Okay, I see that. I understand that. I want that to be done to me, and I want to do that with somebody else. But but what do I do now? Well, we we use a, a little construct that we call uh, two things come to mind. One is discipleship to us is just the way all things are learned, whether it's eating or anything. Is I do it. I do it, you watch. You do it, I watch. You do it. Uh, Jesus walked with the Father. He, The disciples watched him walk with the Father. He watched them walk with the Father. He then left and said, go and do likewise. Reproduce and, and repeat the cycle. And so in that simplicity of how people learn anything, I have a seven-year-old daughter. When she was young, she watched me eat. I then watched her eat. And then she ate by herself. That same cycle of I eat, she watches me eat, I watch her eat, she eats, is how discipleship happens. It's the result of what we call a Q over Q, a quantity of relationship over a quantity of time equals transformational impact. 
And so being together has to be in a continuous process with some intensity allows for what we call a relational rub. And so that's that's kind of the way we talk about it. When we talk about the how, we say start out with something. If you haven't been discipled, just execute what we call the little bit plan. When you get together with somebody in a regular intentional way, then make sure you read a little bit of the word. Make sure you pray a little bit so that you learn how to talk to God and lay your requests for him and fight for others. And make sure you talk a little bit about life and process. So the little bit plan is a simple way to just get going if you've never been discipled. If you have been discipled biblically, then simply go and do what had happened to you, what you had done with somebody else. And so as I'm meeting with somebody, he then learns how to meet with somebody by how we were meeting together. That would be the ideal. But most people, myself included, were not discipled. I never grew up in a in any kind of articulation like we've been talking about in discipleship.org uh, uh, promotes and emulates. And so we're left from scratch. We hear this concept, 2 Timothy 2, 2 principles, Dawson Trotman, born to reproduce, Robert Coleman, master plan of evangelism. And we just get frozen on what do we do if we've never done before. And that's the bridge that I think we as disciple makers have to work hard at is making a sustainable, reproducible, simple, oral, relational context for somebody else to know how to begin and how to reproduce himself with continuation. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple-making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. Scotty, I have a question for you. What material do you use uh, when you have this reproducible model? Yeah, we, uh, uh, this is the big thing. We talk often about what discipleship is and what it isn't. And one of the things we say is, is discipling biblically what Jesus did with the 12 is not materials driven, meaning Jesus didn't take them to school. He was the rabbinical school. And so who we are in Jesus vertically is who we attempt to reproduce horizontally with others so we're talking about the how now, and, and uh, we'll say, uh, make sure you have a plan. Make sure it's a good plan. Execute your plan. What's your plan to make disciples? For us, in our school, in our particular distinctive, our how is a toolbox. Now, I got that from my football coach because I was a, a football guy, and it's most of my history has been in college football coaching. And this guy always talked about, what's your toolbox? What's in your toolbox? And so in our toolbox, we have tools that help us, what we call walk with God, 
for a lifetime, finish strong, reproduce and multiply. That's our target is to disciple two by four according to the word of God, by the power of God, for the glory of God, so that somebody can walk with God for a lifetime, finish strong, horizontally reproduce and multiply. In our toolbox, we call it the Big Ten. This is just, you know, everybody's parents differently. And, and how you parent and I parent, we'll have some core things that are similar and there'll be things that are different. And it's all good because if there's the core things are there, then it's going to be it's going to be OK. Our toolbox is not better or worse. It's just unique to our story. And so in our toolbox, the materials, so to speak, are really the Bible and prayer. The mm. word of God and prayer are our tools. And so our 10 tools in our toolbox that we practice and reproduce our prayer, Bible reading, Bible memory, Bible song, Bible study, five questions about evangelism discipleship that we ask regularly of our disciples and of ourselves, sharing the gospel in a simple articulation, accountability questions and understanding the concept of it, having a gospel presentation, and having a gospel invitation around a 10-verse sequence that we call OCFROGROL, which is just an A-W-C-F-R-O-G-R-O-L acronym of the simple doctrine of the birth, life, death, resurrection, return of Jesus, so that somebody could have an understanding of their need and understanding of the answer. And so our toolbox is really our resources. Now, I'm exaggerating only a little bit. We use as a supplement the master plan of evangelism so that they can read what we're attempting to do with them. And the other thing we use is the Born to Reproduce track, uh, which uh, Dawson Trotman uh, put together through the Navigators Ministry, which he founded. So those are our tool resources. But if I went to New Guinea, or if I went to Bangladesh, or if I went to Mexico, and I didn't have anything with me, we're cool, because we have the Word of God in our heart or with us, and we pray. And so I don't need to worry about stuff or books. We don't study materials. We don't study a book. The word has more than enough in it for a lifetime. And that's where we hang our hat. Hey, Scotty, um, two things. Uh, the Dawson Trotman track. Yes. Is that available for free anywhere? No, but it is really simple. And I can get it to you, the information. You can get a, a, a track of uh, 20, I think, for $4.99. And so for... 50 cents a piece, you can get a super concise articulation of addition versus multiplication and what 2 Timothy 2.2 looks like in Dawson Trotman's words. And frankly, it's what I use as my teaser when I'm talking to people about discipleship. If they're intrigued at all, I make sure I get them one of those tracks. And they're so simple and sustainable and, and inexpensive. They're a tremendous tool. I can get the the website that we use to get them at that price. Can, hey, Scotty, can you just for the sake of those watching right now, can you tell us what that website is? <laughs> I'd love to, but I'm going to have to dig a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I just had it asked last week, but I don't have it by memory, and I got it, I got it on my computer and my phone. Okay. <laughs> well, you can try to get that to us. And then you also mentioned five questions. Yeah, five questions. Yeah, yeah. This is something we came up with. Uh, you know, um, I, I I had never been discipled, and I was in college football circles. So my first fishing pond, or my what we call circles, circles of impact, were players. 
players and other assistants. And this happened for me in, in 1992 is when I got thrown into the discipleship pool attempting to do something because I knew I should do something with others. I at least knew that much from being a believer for a long time at that point, uh, but I didn't know exactly what to do. And so uh, began, so this is a, whatever that is a 20, 28 year process for me of, of making disciples the master plan way. Um, and one of the things we involved into is if, if I'm not thinking regularly and, and having my disciples think regularly about practical questions regarding evangelism discipleship, it may not happen. They may not evangelize and they may not disciple unless I make sure that I am leading the way in that and walking with them and supervising as they work out their salvation with fear and trembling. So the five questions in a nutshell are, um, who are you praying for to come to Jesus and what are you doing about it? What are you doing about building a relationship that can uh, encourage conversations and articulations and invitations, et cetera, et cetera. So who are you praying for to come to Jesus and what are you doing about it? Who is your discipler or who are your mentors? Who are your discipleship prospects and what are you doing to build relationship with them? So just like in the, if I was in the insurance field, I'd be selling insurance, but also trying to develop a pool of prospects. And so Dr. Coleman and Dawson Trotman would say, if you don't have a, a Paul or a Timothy, are you praying for one? You have to start with one. And so ask God for one. We know if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us, we will receive the request made of him. So 1 John 5, 14 and 15 is an instrumental verse for us because we know we're praying for God's will when we ask for disciples because he said, go make disciples. So we're asking us to give us what he commanded us to do. And so we pray for disciples and we pray for more disciples as we disciple those who are within our community, whatever they might be, one, three, five, seven, whatever it is, 12. Uh, there's no you know number on it that's a, a, a mandatory or a minimum. And so uh, 12 is a nice round number, but some you got to start with one and then you'll see what the Lord does. So basically we ask questions about who you're praying for to come Jesus. Who are you discipling? Who are your discipleship prospects and what are you doing to build a relationship with them? Who are your mentors besides the person who's responsible for you? Who are other men or women that you're drawing from to learn about things of the faith or, or even about other things that aren't necessarily spiritual? We want to create people that are lifelong learners. And if he wants to be good as a teacher or as a coach or as a mechanic or as a counselor, we want him to have men and women in their lives who they go to and build a relationship with to get better and improve in learning about a craft that they can reproduce with others also. So again, who are you praying for Jesus? What are you doing to build a relationship with them? Who are you discipling and who are your discipleship prospects is the third one. The fourth one is who are your mentors? And the fifth one is who are your mentor prospects? Who are you praying about to start a relationship with that you can learn in an area where you need more expertise? And with each of those five questions, there are action steps. What are you doing about it so that there can be accountability that the ball is moving forward and it's not just a proposition in their mind? That's good. Hey, Scotty, that article by Dawson Trotman, did you say it's called Born to Reproduce? Yeah, the, the booklet is called Born to Reproduce. That's correct. Okay, I found it and I just yeah. want to uh, share it on the screen. Uh, is and that that's a 
That's a fantastic PDF. That's not the booklet, but that's a fantastic. We use that when we, again, send this out to people that they have a number of resources of Dawson Trotman, but that you can get on the internet and that is a long article. It's fantastic. The booklet is kind of a cliff notes to that. Okay. So let me just say, uh, we're having that put in the chat box beautiful, uh, so that everybody can get that. Um, you can just, uh, if you're watching this and you don't have access to the chat box because you're watching it after it, was, uh, after it went live, you're watching a recording, just uh, Google Born to Reproduce Dawson Trotman. And, and I'm going to look right now as I'm on this. And I can do it right now. It's going to be, uh, hey, oh boy. So it's going to be from the Billy Graham bookstore.org. Okay. www.billygrahambookstore.org. And it's going to be slash born hyphen to hyphen reproduce hyphen pack hyphen of hyphen 10. There you go. Okay, Scotty, we have a question in the chat box. I'd like to read it to you. Uh, it's This is from Lori. Uh, good afternoon. I very much appreciated. She says, I very much appreciated uh, the, your resources in these webinars. Where my church seems stuck is how to best train our leaders to disciple in such a way that our groups can multiply and therefore meet yeah. more people. We yeah. currently lack a coach model. Uh, she says, which I'd like to build up as well as the language or expectation that groups yeah. will end and reproduce. Yeah. Uh, input, thank you, she said. <laughs> that is great, Lori. That is a fantastic question. Frankly, that's the primary question I get from churches is we want that. What do we do now? And uh, and that's why discipleship.org is there, frankly, is to uh, mentor uh, and disciple uh, people and churches in this process of what does this look like in the local church? And the conundrum is for individuals who get grabbed by the spirit of God to make disciples this way, the way we're talking about is that their leadership again, may never have been discipled at all or this way. And you can't reproduce what you've never seen or experienced. And so what we're attempting to do and what the, what the ministry, discipleship.org, is attempting to do is, is to educate that there is a way that what Jesus did with the 12 is possible today, and it's still desired today. And, of course, the ministry that Bobby is uh, leading with others is doing exactly what you are seeking. Uh, when I run into anybody, anybody personally, and this is my heart as a disciple maker, Lori, if you reached out to me privately or you got referred to me, I'd say, tell you what, if you don't know anybody who can walk with you, I'll walk with you in this and I'll find people who walk with you in this. But if you want to make disciples, we want to make sure that you are walking with somebody who's made them so you can have kind of uh, uh, the ability to interact and work out your salvation, in this case, work out your disciple making with others that maybe have been there a little before you. That's what we're trying to do even by these, correct, Bobby? Oh, yeah. No, no, that, that's good. And uh, she, I think it's really a, a great question that great. thoughtful people have when they're really trying to get their church going on this. In fact, yep. Scotty, let me ask you about this, because I think it's partly an answer to um, Lori's question. Talk to us about the little bit plan. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, so we have a plan. So, you know, our terminology is... is uh, 
Walk with God, be with people, have a plan. Have a plan, make sure it's a good plan, execute the plan. You can have a plan, but it's not a good plan. That's not good. You can have a good plan and not execute it. That's not good. So we want to walk with God, be with people, have a plan. Have a plan, make sure it's a good plan, execute the plan. And the question is, what is your plan? Our plan to make disciples is use the toolbox of the Big Ten. Dr. Coleman has a different plan. Bobby has a different plan. Gary Tanner has a different plan, possibly. We probably share traits, but each of our plan is unique to our story and our convictions. But have a plan. And if you don't have one, find somebody who is making disciples that you respect and ask them their plan. And if you have to, emulate a plan that you can see that is working through others that you've heard or seen about. But if none of that's on the table, then we encourage people to practice what we call the little bit plan. Now, we'd rather practice the lot of bit plan than the little bit plan. But if somebody needs a starter log, we say just practice the little bit plan. Make sure you get together regularly in an intentional, that means on purpose, strategic, that means have a plan when you get together way. And during that time together, make sure you read a little bit, the Bible, pray a little bit. So you can communicate with God and teach them how to pray by praying with them. Again, you pray, they watch you pray, you watch them pray, they pray. The same way we learn to make disciples is the way we learn to eat, which is the way we learn to pray. You reproduce intercessors the same way you reproduce uh, disciples. And so we just practice the little bit, Brent. We don't, but we throw it out there for those who feel like I can't do it. Because that's one of the lies of the enemy is I can't do it. And we say, you can, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You may not have seen it. You may want to emulate it. Find somebody who's doing it. And if you don't know anybody that you can interact in a regular way to walk with you in your disciple making Genesis, then practice the little bit plan, which is get together and read a little bit, pray a little bit, talk a little bit about life, have some homework that you're going to regularly feed yourself with the word of God and prayer, stay in relationship with them during the week. It's not a meeting. Disciple making is not a meeting. It's a relationship where there's regular meetings where you can encourage, inspire, have accountability, practice together, share testimonies, practice a little bit plan. Better yet, find a plan that can be a lot of bit plan and get more bang out of the time that you're spending together. Oh, that's great. Well, um, we we have a little uh, video here that I want to ask uh, Stovey, uh, who's working behind the scenes here, if he can set that up to show. And then when we come back, we just have a few minutes left, Scotty. But uh, I just want, like, I feel like you're being really practical, and I really appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, I, I like I like that language, the 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 little bit plan, or did you call it the little bit or the little bitty plan? The little bit plan. Little little bit, little bit. Okay. Read a little bit, pray a little bit, talk a little bit. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you the one thing you wish everybody who aspires to be a disciple maker, uh, what they would focus upon. Yeah. So we'll come back uh, okay. after Dave is going to take a second and tell everybody about a really important course uh, we, that's a master class in holistic disciple making that I want to encourage everybody to know about and also to get on board with. So let's watch that now. Hey guys, you can have immediate access to all the material from the Holistic Disciple Making Intensives, and you can purchase the course for personal use at a time that's best for you. It's called our Holistic Disciple Making Masterclass and Certification. 
And with it, you get access to all the in-depth discussions in video and in written form, online assessments, and you get discipleship.org's certification. So for more information, please click the tab below. I just want to encourage everybody with the uh, holistic disciple making course that you just saw. I'm actually uh, really grateful to God and a little bit in awe of the people that we've been able to have leading these sessions. So you don't want to miss that material. It's really good. Well, I'm so grateful to Scotty Kessler. He's been he's been sharing gold in terms of the nuts and bolts. So back to that question, Scotty. If you were to talk about the one thing you wish people focused on, uh, what would it be? Well, uh, you know, even as you asked the question before the little break there, I, I knew what I was going to say, and I got a little bit smiley about it in my mind. But frankly, uh, remember how in the beginning I said uh, discipleship is a general mosaic, a, kind of a mosh, uh, a mosh pit of anything in terms yeah. of what discipleship is, and the difficult part is is bringing it into to the simplicity of what did Jesus do with the twelve? Now, because within that general, with sincere believers, uh, lack of clarity about what it is and what it isn't, uh, I've come to the place of believing that it's so simple and yet so crazily unpracticed that there must be something standing in the way. And what I believe is standing in the way is, without being too trite, the devil. I believe there is, and I don't know your doctrinal position, whoever's out there. I don't know what your doctrinal position is on spiritual warfare, but I, I'm pretty sure from the scriptures that the devil doesn't want us evangelizing and he doesn't want us making disciples because if we ever make disciples, he's dead. And if we stay at addition, I think, frankly, he's cool with that because addition will never reach the world, but multiplication will. And I think there is, in my opinion, demonic forces keeping a ceiling on what we call discipling biblically, because if it ever takes root at a core, simple level of people meeting with people and teaching them how to meet with people in a reproducible, sustainable, oral, simple, practical way, then the world will be reached. And so because of that problem, the answer to the question is they need to pray a lot, a long time together with others. And so what we call long praying, which is praying for an hour more at a time together with others, in my experience, is the key to unlock people's eyes and ears to come to the gospel and unlock them from thinking they just need to be churchgoers or they just need to be in a small group or they just need to be in a Bible study or they just need to meet with a few people. And the lost piece is the piece that you meet with people intentionally that they meet with others who will meet with others in continuation. That piece, I think, is demonically bound so the believers can't see it. They can't see it because the God of this age has blinded the believers from seeing the simplicity and the power and the fruit of disciple-making biblically the master's way. And so we are trying hard to get people, we call long praying an hour more just as a concept because Jesus in Gethsemane, when when the three were with him on the mountain, he came back and said, can't you pray an hour? 
And we're not saying there's something magical with 61 minutes over 59. We're just saying our experiences in terms of prayer, the body of Christ does not pray long, regularly, together, almost ever. And for that reason, I think there's a block on people's expanded vision about something that Jesus simply did and articulated. Wow, that was powerful stuff from Scotty. He said, the devil doesn't want us making disciples. Because if it ever takes root, meeting with people, um, pouring into them, investing in them, discipling them, training them to not just make disciples, but to make other disciple makers, if that ever takes root, then the world will be reached. And I don't know about you, but I felt super convicted when he said, the church doesn't do this enough. It all starts with prayer. That was super convicting. I'm a worship leader at my church, and as a church leader, it's so easy to just be checking off the list and, all right, I got this done, got the songs ready, got my team ready, blah, 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 okay, I'm good, and totally skip over the main work of my ministry, prayer, the spiritual battle. I wanted to highlight one more thing that Scotty said towards the beginning of this podcast. He said, discipleship is the way all things are learned. And I think that's just so crucial for us to know, because as I was learning about discipleship culture, I just thought, man, this is going to be really hard. Like, you know, I never liked being somebody who all that they wanted to talk about was spiritual things. I felt like I also wanted to talk about, you know, music and sports or movies, you know, some normal things like that every now and then. Right. And it's important to me to know that discipleship is also coaching and mentoring people in money or their marriage. Like the way my disciple maker, when he was discipling me, he made time and space when I said, hey, how do I do money well? Like, how do I lead my family well financially? And we we set a time, we met, and he kind of spelled it out for me, what I should do, what he did. That was actually a crucial part of discipleship. It's not just get them saved. Uh, it's way more than that. It's teach them how to live and how to apply biblical principles to every aspect of their life. That is super powerful, and that actually can transform somebody's life. And that has become my goal in life. Is that your goal in life too? If it is, then I encourage you, please keep coming back and listening to more of these podcasts and keep going to discipleship.org to find resources to help you become a better disciple maker in your circles. All right, have a good day. I'll see you next time.